Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. So we started a new series. It's an unusual way to start a series. I don't, I don't think I've ever recalled any of my pastor friends or ever reading about anybody doing a series the way that I've started it. You know, usually you, you pray and God shows you, you know, this is the next thing you should bring. And we endeavor to preach the entire counsel of the Word of God, which is so very important. You can, you can miss things if you just randomly, you know, randomly uh, preach. I don't get messages out of Preacher Magazine, 52 messages a year, and I'm on like message 30, whatever it is. That's not how it works. We, uh, we pray, we seek God in and, and hopes that he would speak to us. And how many of you know his sheep know and hear his voice? And so we went to go fishing uh, the other week, and I've shared this already, and God gave me a dream. Let me, let me, before I share an excerpt of that dream and then go on to the second message of the series, let me say that one of the reasons Kings is the way that it is, we drive hard the way that we drive, is because of Dr. James Morocco and the dream slash vision, and I say it that way because he's not sure which one it was. A dream is when you're sleeping, a vision when you're awake. And I was just reading uh, about the Apostle Paul. He had a vision in the night. So, you know, God gives dreams, God gives visions. And so Dr. Morocco had an experience with the Lord where he's before the throne, his life is over, and the Lord says to him, what happened? I mean, what a, that would be, that would be upsetting. What happened? Uh, and so he says, I, 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 I couldn't do what you asked me to do. I, I didn't have the money. I, I didn't have the people. I didn't have the staff. I, I didn't have the giftings. I didn't have the ability to do it. And the Lord says to him, didn't you know I'd have helped you if you only tried? So guess what we do? We try. <laughs> Triumph. Triumph. <laughs> a man by the name of Mike Bickle had a, a vision slash a dream also. I guess it was a dream that turned into a vision when he was in his 20s. He had been pastoring for approximately six years. He's on his bed resting. He's before the throne. And the Lord says to him as he's before the throne of God, and we preached on the judgment seat of Christ, popular message in America today, the judgment seat of Christ uh, last week. Mike Bickle, before the throne, God says to him, your life was a waste. You wasted your whole life. What a rebuke. And in his mind, as he shares this, and as I've read in one of his books, I forget which one, he said it in his heart like, man, I am seeking God. I'm fasting. I'm praying. He argues in his mind with the Lord. And the Lord speaks to him and says, you cannot manipulate the Son of God. You cannot manipulate God. So he's instantly realizing, well, whatever I'm doing is potentially wasting my life. And he cries out for a second chance. He cries out, oh God, let this not be the end. Let me have another moment where I'm in the earth. Oh God. And he wakes up and he's in his room, weeping on his knees, no longer in his bed. And that's one of the things that drives him, that the over these years in International House of Prayer. In my dream, uh, although I've 
I'm not going to put it on that level. I mean, I, I don't know, I, I, but it's greatly affected me. My dream is very simply this. I'm standing in the earth with everyone. Everyone is there. What do you mean everyone? The planet. Everyone. Everyone I know, all of us are there. I'm standing. We're outside. And I know that the end is imminent, and it's in just a, a minute. It's any moment. And in that moment, I remember going, oh, God. Remember this almost disappointment at the same time, examining my heart, and is this, oh, God, Lord. And then I looked to the east, and I saw this brighter-than-the-sun light that just came, and we were gone. And I'm in heaven. And it wasn't heaven like you see in a book or like you hear maybe in other stories, a place in heaven that I wasn't. I know I was there. An angel comes and releases an impartation to me without going into details. And then I see this sea of humanity that are in heaven. And what I see is I see these assignments being given, and the assignments are for the millennial reign. Okay, so everything I'm sharing with you cannot be refuted with Bible. You can start having a dream, and you start teaching based upon what your dream is, you're going to end up with some golden glasses and some other planets, and it's not going to be good. So the series that we are moving into, I've given a name, and the name comes from three days after that dream I had. I woke up, clearly heard the voice of the Lord say, the end is the beginning. And I know what that meant, and I've not been able to get the dream out of my heart, nor, nor do I think I'm supposed to. There's divine assignments, and so there is uh, divine judgment, there's divine rewards, and there's divine assignments. See, some people think in the millennial reign that you're just going to be, it's going to be over, and you play a little harp, and you, and you fly around with cute little wings, and you're in a diaper. That's not how it is. Are you ready? So last week, last week we preached on the judgment seat of Christ. This week, a little something different. The signs of the Lord's coming, or the signs of the Lord's return. The theologians call it the eminent return of Christ. Are you ready? Good. Stand up on your feet, take your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, as I borrow Pastor Karen's cheetah print glasses. Thank you so much. Second Thessalonians verse 1, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion. Until what? The rebel. I can't hear you. Until what? The rebellion occurs, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. 
Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back. I want you to read verse 6. And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed with all kinds of counterfeit miracles. What kind of miracles? Counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. You better hold on to your seat. Lord, come and jack us up with truth. <laughs> Move in power. Come on, ask God to talk to you today. Lord, talk to us today, we pray. Let every man, every woman, every child be brought low and you be glorified, you be magnified. Come and say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. Move me out of the way, God. Take over. We give you full sway in this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We do have notes as they're starting my clock. We do have notes uh, for you, and we'd encourage you to fill those notes in as we move along. Did you all get notes yet? Okay, very good. August 1st. The Apostle Paul mentions the coming of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'm going to read this verse. The rapture of the saints he refers to. Everybody say rapture. You don't see that exact word, but we've used that word for a Greek word. After that, verse 17, we who are still alive will be, and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The Apostle Paul mentions, verse 15, that the coming of the Lord. It's really not preached that often. What's encouraging to me is, as I was reading this, encourage one another with these words. But you don't really hear Christians talking about the coming of the Lord too much. Thank you, Pastor Vince. I got one amen on the right side of the church. The rapture of the church, the coming of the Lord, refers to a moment, this incredible moment when heaven and earth will come together. And as I shared my dream, and to be honest with you, I don't know if what I was seeing was the rapture. I mean, I don't really know what that bright light was, but I just know my, our time on earth was over. There is an end. Come on, smile at me. There's an end. No man knows when that is. And if you start to try to figure that out, you, you won't be able to figure it out. But there are signs. There are signs. And 
If you look at this text, verse 1, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled. Now, why would he say that? Because they are unsettled. They are agitated. They're thrown off. They're affected by what's happened. Well, what do you think's happened? No, we don't know for sure, but when you read, when you read the epistles, when you read them, they're a letter, right? So imagine what he's answering in the letter is actually what's taking place in the church in Thessalonica. And he's resolving that. He's, he's bringing resolution to them being unsettled. So somebody has said, oh, he came. I mean, it's crazy that they would say that and the apostle Paul is writing to them. I mean, if anybody's going to go, you know, it's like the Apostle Paul. I know some of you here might not clear the roof, but we hope to fix that. Come on, it's a joke. Kind of, amen. Lift your hands to heaven. Ah, come on, Jesus. So the Apostle Paul clearly tells them, this, these, this didn't come from me. I didn't write any letters to you. I didn't say, don't be agitated, don't be unsettled, don't be, don't be, don't be moved. Don't be moved. But when you read Scripture and you read, you read the New Testament, you clearly see that there's a day that's coming where the Lord's going to return. There's a catching up, a catching away. And there's many Scriptures you can look at it. And, and in Romans 13, 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. I mean, this is in the first century, so, I mean, they're talking about it then. Somebody says, well, how could it hasn't happened yet? And some say, actually, that it has happened, and I'll destroy that in just a minute. There are some groups down the street that are theologically confused. The catching up and the return of the Lord is called the eminent, say that, the eminent return of the Lord. You know, there's conditional prophecy, unconditional prophecy. Conditional prophecy, if you come to our power conference, prophetic conference, you receive a prophetic word, prophetic word over a congregation, even over a nation, prophetic words. Those are conditional based upon your response and God's timing, so on and so forth. There's unconditional prophecy, and no matter what you do, you can backslide to hell right now. It's still going to happen. Jesus is going to return. No matter what we decide to do, however, we do play a role in it, and I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little bit. How could they believe that, that, the, that Jesus had already come? How could they believe? Because that's what they're believing, and you can see that. How could they believe that? Paul's writing to them. There are people that didn't, didn't believe in the resurrection. There's all kinds of uh, beliefs out there, just like there is today. So for some reason, they're confused. Now, uh, I've met many wonderful Seventh-day Adventists. How many of you have met some wonderful Seventh-day Adventists? But in the 1800s, they had, an, they had this idea, and it was completely off. And it ended in what's called the, the Great Disappointment. And what it was, I'll, I'll give you names to help you out. You can, you can go and look this up. It's Adventism. Uh, and this is in no way to lambaste Seventh-day Adventists, but they were led astray, like, like other groups have been as well. So why would you identify? Because what happens with the Seventh-day Adventists and with Jehovah's Witnesses, I'll deal with that in a second too, 
They spiritualize things. They spiritualize their their, um, projection of the Lord's return. So basically, there's this man, his name is William Miller. And he believed that Christ was going to come, and he had all kinds of theology and scripture to back it up, that Christ was going to come between October 21st, 1843, and October 21st, 1844. So within that period of year, he believed that he was going to come. Now, there's a couple differing reports. Some say, actually, on that day, uh, I couldn't quite figure it out and didn't want to spend a whole bunch of time because it's just not. You want to study all that and be an apologist, go for it. But I wanted to give it to you because it is a present-day response. I mean, this is 18, the 1800s, 1800s, 1900s. On October 22nd, 1844, that's the day of great disappointment. You know why? Because he didn't come. And there was 150 to 100,000 people in the United States who were following him and following that teaching. He had 50 to 100,000. Now, back in the 1800s, that's a lot. I don't know what that would be present day. But many people gave up on Adventism, and, uh, and it was sad. Those who remained, they changed the tune. And they said, actually, spiritually, he didn't come. Well, a whole bunch of them said they didn't come because we worship God on the wrong day. That was one thing they said. Get the Sabbath rest wrong. And there were those that tried to uh, tried to justify it. They were called spiritualizers. So they said, really, it did happen spiritually. Now. You see, what could be happening here, the church in Thessalonica is the same thing. Jehovah's Witnesses, how many of you know about Jehovah's Witnesses? Okay, it's a, it's a cult. It's a, oh, yeah, I said it. It's a Christian cult. You need to understand theology. Doctrine matters. And you know, it's not taught in most churches. Doctrine is not taught in most churches. You need to know the truth. Here, let me, the Jehovah's Witnesses are friends. They're sincere and many sincerely deceived. And what I, what I have found that most people especially uh, in some of these places. They don't, they don't really understand their theology at all. The truth is probably less than half of you here could argue theology. That's why we have classes to teach you. And really, people stay in churches because of relationships. They don't even stay in churches because of truth all the time. They, they, they stay in churches because of relationship. I will stand before the living God to give an account for my life. There will come an end which is really the beginning. You, you, you need to learn. That's why we have all the classes we have. That's why I teach and preach the way that we do. Sunday mornings is more uh, pastoring in the midst of revival. Sunday night is revival. So Wednesday night is fire. Don't miss tonight. It's going to be great. So I'm teaching you here a little bit. Judge Rutherford, well, I should back up and say Jehovah's Witnesses, 1874, Charles Russell, he determined when the end was. And then when it didn't come, he determined the end would be in 1874. Okay, so it didn't, how many of you know the end didn't come? Jesus didn't come back 1874. Amen. And uh, they recalculated after that to come up with 1914 would be when Jesus is coming back. And Judge Rutherford took over his position and leadership there at the Jehovah's Witnesses. 
with the watchtower, who's their false prophet, if I could just say it that way. I know this. You said, well, I've got some friends. I know, but this is the background of Jehovah's Witness. I'm sorry. So how many of you know on October 1st, 1914, that uh, that was not when Jesus returned? But they said he did, except it was invisible. I got a problem with an invisible God that's (laughs) going to split the eastern sky and the dead in Christ will rise, and it's all invisible. So the same kind of nonsense could have been happening back here at uh, the church in Thessalonica. That nonsense is propagated today, and it's pushed down people's throats today, and people don't understand theology, and they don't study things, and they, they believe it based upon personality or charisma and not according to what God's Word says. You need to base your life on God's Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will remain. So let's look at this text. Because right in the text, Paul shares when the end, he basically says when the end will come. Why are you preaching this? Because I had a dream that the end came. So when is that? We don't know exactly, but from this text and from other texts, we can, we, you can be deceived. You know, the problem with deception is you're deceived. <laughs> so you can be deceived. And so he clearly tells us about the timing of the Lord, although you're not going to be able to put October anything on it. You're going to put a date stamp on it that there's two things that will take place. Before the actual second coming takes place, there's two things that will happen. Everybody say two things. Two things. And verse 3, look at verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day, what day? The, The day shall not come except there come a falling away first. A what? A falling away first. The NIV defines that word as rebellion. The actual word is a word that we get in the Greek, apostia, or apostasy. And the Apostle Paul uses that word, it's the apostasy, the apostasy will take place. And what the apostasy is, is a great falling away. Now, theologians argue this over and over, but there are people who've received Jesus, I believe this, they've actually, I mean, how do you, how do you, they left Wasilla, they're now in Anchorage. That would mean you are no longer in Wasilla and you're now in Anchorage. They fell away. They departed Hebrews from the faith. Well, if you depart one place, then you are obviously somewhere else. At what point of the departure do you lose your salvation? We, we yield more towards Armenianism than Calvinism, surely. There's a hyper-grace neo-Calvinism out there that's poison. And listen, I know I'm... You know what the key is? Pastor Gary says this. I've said it to my people many, many times. And I've, I've taught my pastors this. When you preach and when you teach, you go from the deep end of the pool to the shallow end. So if you're only catching about half of this, that's good. Concentrate. That's how you learn. You're, you're, you're getting equipped. Come on today. Because there is an eminent return. There is an end, which I believe is the beginning. This is a training ground. So I thought I was just going to teach, but I start getting fired up and I can't help but start preaching. It's a training ground for ruling and reigning. You're not going to have a diaper and a pair of wings. You're going to have a divine assignment. And in the dream, I saw this person, and over their head was the continent of Africa. And I don't know if it was a group of people that were there, 
I mean, there was a definite group. I don't know the assignment who it went to directly, but I saw this continent of Africa. I saw all the nations. And I saw languages, and I saw all kinds of stuff. And I knew they were going to help to rule and reign in the continent of Africa and the nations that are there. And listen, I've got tons of scripture to prove everything I'm telling you right now. And we'll get there. Apostasy has got to take place, an actual falling away. It's a similar phrase used by Paul in 1 Timothy 4.1. The last days will come and some will turn from the faith. The Old Testament also talks about that, a turning away from the Lord. In Hebrews, a turning away from the living God. In Acts chapter 21, verse 21, Jews are accusing Paul of turning away from the books of Moses. So here what he's saying is that there has to, number one, come before Jesus comes. Before that, there has to come a great falling away. He said, well, I think that's happened already. Well, it may have. The second thing you'll see is the lawless one or the man of sin will appear. 1 John 3, 4 talks about the lawless one, doomed to destruction, the man of perdition. And the man of lawlessness is defined. Somebody said, man, Antichrist is alive right now. Probably. Man of lawlessness is defined in verse 4. He'll oppose God. He'll do what? He'll oppose God. The word adversary is the actual word here. It's fascinating. He'll be empowered by Satan. He will exalt himself over everything that is called God. He makes his own rules. There's this Antichrist figure. It's a real person, empowered by Satan. And he makes his own rules, makes his own decisions. He he declares what's right or wrong. It's going to start getting really kind of creepy. You know why? Because you see the very thing that's happening in this text is happening today. Because the spirit of Antichrist is already in the earth as the Bible says. He sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Look at verse 4. He'll oppose, will exalt himself over everything that's called God of worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple. I want you to say that. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. What does that mean? Now, the temple is destroyed by 70 A.D. by the Romans. But you see Caliglia was wicked emperor, and he did all kinds of craziness, tried to set up his image in 40 A.D. in the temple, and he was assassinated before that. The phrase, what does that phrase mean? Some have suggested that he's going to set himself up, the Antichrist will set himself up in the temple of God. So some have suggested that to mean, honestly, for many years, I just believe this because this is all I ever heard. But I'm going to give you an alternate. And I'm not going to tell you which one I believe. You're going to have to figure that out yourself. You figure, you, you be a good Berean, go home and figure it out. Pray. So some would say if, he has to set, if the Antichrist has to set himself up as God in the temple, then the temple must need to be rebuilt. And, if you, and we've been to Jerusalem, and uh, we have canceled our trip to Jerusalem. I was just told yesterday, so some of you are needing refunds and uh, they should have contacted you already. If you have a problem with that, you, you let me know. We've postponed that. We'll go another time. 
But when we went a number of years ago, we, we, we didn't actually get to stand up on the Temple Mount, I don't think. I think we got really close. We were able to, the Dome of the Rock is there. And some would say, well, the Dome of the Rock has to be destroyed, and then they build the temple. Or other people would say, well, the temple's going to be built. And in fact, there's a whole group of people that are pushing and financing the rebuilding of the temple. And, and the ashes of the red heifer and all these different things that tie into that, which is a fascinating thought. That could well be. And, and, and some people say, well, actually, where the Holy of Holies is, it's not where the Dome of the Rock is. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They say it's over just a little bit. So, so, the, so the temple could be built right next to the Dome of the Rock. And wow. And then he would exalt himself up there and that, whoa. Okay, let me give you another thought. There's a number of, there really is a number of problems with that. But another thought would be this, another way to look at it. Paul in his writings says that you're the temple of, you're the temple of God. In his writings it says that we are the nios, the church is the dwelling place or the temple of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So somehow this antichrist figure, this lawless one, could potentially rise in the church itself, would be affected, leading many people to become worshipers of the Antichrist from within the church. Which one is it? I don't know. Raise your hands to heaven and say, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> Dr. Chad could maybe expound on this tonight. Book of Daniel talks about the Antichrist figure and uh, that he would desecrate the temple, and that actually happened. There's some history. Uh, in 169 B.C., uh, King Antiochus IV, Antiochus, I got it, Antiochus IV, he wanted to stomp out Judaism. How many of you know this story? He wanted to stomp out Judaism. So, he, I mean, he hated Jews and he hated the whole thing, so he made Jews eat pork. I know you're going to go have some ribs right after church today, but, but, but they weren't allowed to eat pork. It was against their, their rules and would defile them. So they, he made them eat pork, and he set up, is it a, a, an altar to Zeus, I think it is. He sets up this altar uh, in, in the temple. And you know what happens? There is this family, just, just a family. They just like, enough's enough. I want you to say that. Enough's enough. The Maccabees. Anybody ever heard of the Maccabees? The Maccabees were like, that's enough of that. Let's, let's beat the fool out of this. Let, that's, it's it. And so the Maccabees rose, Judas Maccabee, and, and they, they basically pushed Rome out of the holy city, cleansed the temple, and took oil. That's where they celebrate Hanukkah, the festival of lights. They took oil and they burned the lamp of the Lord. And for oil that should have lasted one day, lasted eight and it was a miracle, and they celebrate what's called the Festival of Lights. That came from that time. Then they committed a horrible, uh, a horrible thing, especially for Jews, and they killed themselves at, at Masada, which was a wicked, horrible thing. Suicide is, is uh, horrible. But there's a great Rome, great general, uh, Roman general Pompey in, six, in 63 B.C., 
He did all kinds of craziness. Nero, in 64 AD, burned a fire to redo the city, blamed it on the Christians, and persecution started. Watch this one, Domitian. This guy was really bad. He comes to power in 81 AD. Concentrate. If, you, if I've lost you in the history, listen to this part. He comes to power in 81 AD, but in 90 AD, he determines that everybody's going to worship the emperor, and they had emperor worship, and here's what they did. You had to come to worship the emperor, and in worshiping the emperor, you would get a certificate. If you didn't have the certificate, you could buy nothing, and you could sell nothing. Look what the Lord has done, yay, look what. This sound familiar? Because of the book of Revelation talks about the mark. going to start talking about vaccinations, but I'd get in trouble. Then again, I'm already in trouble. I give trouble to the devil professionally. Listen, if you, if you get vaccinated, you don't get vaccinated. That's up to you. It's a free country still. You want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. You don't want to get vaccinated, you shouldn't have to get vaccinated. That, that, that's, that's really it. I, that's really it. I don't know. You make me do something. Go ahead and try. I've been vaccinated by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I have all, I've got many friends that are vaccinated, people that are not vaccinated. You can't go certain places now if you're not vaccinated and on and on and on and on and on. I just got a problem with the government making us do it. I got a problem with that. And I got some other problems too. Let's move on. Many antichrists have risen. The vandals in Rome, let me whip through this. Vandals in Rome. I've got so much here, we could choke you. I don't want to choke you. I want to leave you on fire. And knowing there's an imminent return of Christ. And what is our response? How do we live now? What do we do now? Muhammad was thought to be an antichrist, certainly, as he marched on Palestine. In the Reformation period, the Pope was an antichrist. Napoleon Bonaparte was considered an antichrist. Kaiser Wilhelm, antichrist. Hitler, antichrist. Spirit Mussolini, antichrist. Many people actually thought they were the antichrist. And I had people telling me, Obama is clearly the Antichrist. I guess not. I said, if he, hit, if, he, if, he, if he gets wounded in his head and he's dead and he gets up, we'll talk about it. Some of you are like, what? Okay, we could go on and on and on. There's all kinds of passages if you're, if you're really into like going after that. Just don't get lost in it. People I've found get lost in this end-time frenzy. They stop winning souls. They lose their joy. They, they, they just feel like, oh, the end is coming. <laughs> My God, snap out of it. Where's the joy of the Lord? Antichrist, false prophet. Look at four. In conjunction with the Antichrist, Satan will do counterfeit miracles, verse 9. And that is, there's all kinds of crazy. How many of you know which is a counterfeit miracle? You know, people that counterfeit money, they don't counterfeit bills that don't exist. So 
Satan is one who has said he comes as an angel of light to deceive even the elect. So just because a miracle took place of healing, I mean, there's these, there's crazy, crazy stuff. Bloodless healers in, in South America where they do operations without cutting anybody open. I mean, don't go looking it up. You'll get all defiled. Any spirit, 1 John says, that does not acknowledge Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. I don't care if it raised the dead and healed the sick. I don't care if the captive seemingly got set free. If Jesus isn't glorified, it's not from God. And that's a dangerous, a dangerous thing, and there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Literally, Satan has power. Look at verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. So Paul's telling him, hey, man, I already told you all this already. And then verse 6, he says, and now you know what's holding him back. What? This scripture, this scripture has caused more problems. Oh, yeah. You know, don't you? Maybe. What do they know? We have no idea. How come we don't know? Because we weren't there. So Paul's just saying, yeah, you know. He's like, oh, that's right. The Thessalonians like, oh, right, you remember, yeah. But we're like, what? What do they know? I don't know. So, so we're left to like kind of study and figure it out. And there's a there's a couple a couple uh, couple of things that it could be certainly that apply. You 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 when you study scripture, you use scripture to define scripture, and you you study it's got to interlock. It can't contradict itself. All right. So when you do you understand that? So when you read this, though, you know he says in verse. Y'all there with me? Verse six, and you know what's holding him back. Him is who? The Antichrist. So the Antichrist, are you telling me the Antichrist is being held back right now? Being held back then? Being held back now. And if it wasn't being held back now, we would all know it. You say, oh, evil is ruling the earth. Apparently not. We're here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Leading people to Jesus. People getting healed. People getting saved. We're having, come on, somebody ought to give a hallelujah in the house. Come on. Evil is not ruling the earth. The church is the church is here, which leads me to an idea of what could be holding him being Satan back. The church knows what is holding the Antichrist back from being revealed at the proper time. And understand why the holding, the holding is, the holding back is this is a proper time. There's a time frame. So let's talk about that. What do we know? Verse 7. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back, the one who, who's the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. So the restrainer, there's a restrainer at work holding back. Listen, this is Bible. I know I might, some of you might be drowning. I'm going to try to not drown all of us. There's a restrainer holding back the Antichrist at the end of time. Why are you teaching? Because I had a dream. And the end came. There is coming an end, which is really the beginning. And you should be aware of the signs and what's taking place. These things have to happen. There has to come a great falling away. And the Antichrist has got to be revealed. Is is a great falling away happen? I don't think so. I see people getting backside, people backside, and people coming to Christ every week. And this Antichrist has to be revealed, but he's not been revealed yet as far as we can tell. 
The restrainer is at work now. And it's referred to he, if you read the text, once again, secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. The Antichrist and he, the restrainer. The Antichrist and he is also the restrainer. At the right time, the restraint will be removed and the result will be the releasing of the final, final timetable of the return of Christ. This is theology. Who's he? Who's holding back the Antichrist? We don't know, as uh, writing your notes, we don't know who he is, but we can guess. Here's a couple, a couple um, biblical guesses. It's not random. I'm not pulling it out of my hat. Could be or the Holy Spirit at work in the church. See, because we're called to be salt and light, right? It could be the, it could be the Holy Spirit and the work in the church. Keep in mind, as long as the church is in the world, we're called to be salt and light and restrain evil. And the Holy Spirit's at work. And that works with the, with the rapture. There's things that you have to grapple with concerning eschatology, which means the study of the end. Look at B. God is the one who restrains until the church finishes its task. What task? See, because, come on, turn to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, let me read this to you. The gospel will be preached to the whole earth as a witness, and then the end will come. So there's a task that we have to preach on them. It's Mission Sunday. We're, we're going we're gonna to plant, replant. I don't know how we want to call it. We already have a building there, but... There's no English-speaking congregation, really, very, very, very small. We're sending the Cassidy's. You'll see a video soon. Why would we do that? This amazing family, amazing leadership family. Why would we do that? Because the gospel needs to be preached in Texas. America needs to hear the word of God. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue needs to hear the gospel. Needs to, that's the task of the church, equipped the saints for the work of ministry. What's the work of ministry? Preaching teaching, demonstrating the Word of God. And so until that's done, that, that's another thing that could hinder, right? Hold back. We've got to finish the job. Come on, somebody say get to work. 2 Peter 3.12, as you look forward to the day and, and speed its coming. Hmm. Or hasten the day, as it says in the King James. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. Kind of sounds like my dream. And the elements will melt with the heat. It's exactly, it's exactly like my dream, actually. The church will literally change. You can, we can literally change the timetable of the return of the Lord. How? By getting to work and preaching the gospel. God is a restrainer also working through government. See, but fat chance of that. Actually, you know, there's a whole movement now, defund the police. I'm unashamedly fully 100% against it. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? Give it a shot. We just need to govern ourselves. No, no. no. Anarchy is very rule, is very real, and it'll destroy communities. And I understand there's corruption. But government, government restrains evil. It seems like it's pushing it too. I understand that. 
Romans 13 talks about the fact that government set up by God to restrain evil. So you'd have to remove government for the Antichrist to show its full colors or the government would have to get behind him 100% or become the government, you see. Secret power of the Antichrist is already at work. 1 John 2, 18. So there's many Antichrist groups out there. You want me to name a few? Okay. Christian science is an Antichrist group. They spiritualize things and say that Jesus really, you know, they, they water everything down and dilute it to fit whatever form they want to have, basically, so you can do whatever you want to do. Christian science is an Antichrist type group. Unity Church is another Antichrist group. Well, I used to go to the Unity. I'm glad you don't go there anymore. So I've got friends in the Unity. Feel free to witness to them, bring them over to Kings. Amen. That's proselytizing. No, it isn't. If somebody goes to a Christian cult, they're free game. They go to another church, a Bible preaching, teaching church. You don't, don't leave, leave them. Let, let them be blessed where they're at. Amen. You can feel free to plunder all Antichrist groups. 1 John 4, 3, every spirit does not acknowledge Jesus not come from God, and that's what they do. So the Antichrist will come, and, and that's explained. The work of Satan is the ultimate rebellion against God. There's so much here. And verse 10 of our text, 2 Thessalonians 2, and all the ways that wickedness deceive those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. This strong delusion comes because people refuse to believe the truth and be saved. How do you, what do you do with that? You pray. And one who holds the heart of the king will turn it like a water course. You pray. God can break that thing. It's a demonic assignment. It can be broken off of your husband, off of your wife, off of your children. It can be broken off of a community. Can you say amen? And God affirms their decision when they refuse. You know, here, I found this. If you want to go ahead and go headlong into sin, it's like he warns you, he warns you, he warns you, he warns you. And then he's like, all right, go for it. And then you get the result of that. Reminds me of Romans 1. God's speaking to us in conclusion here this morning. Number one, we must not succumb to the spirit of the Antichrist that's already in the world. You can't violate God's law. You can't live a life of immorality and expect everything to be all right. I was encouraged by my dream, by the grace of God, as I knew the end was just a moment away. I was encouraged that I was like, Oh, is there anything in there, God? Anything I need to repent of? And there's a whole separate dream within my dream that's not for you. It was just for me. You showed me some things. I'm like, oh, Lord, yes, God. Showed me a friend I'm supposed to reach out to from my past 40 years ago. I thought, Lord. And when that was concluded, I looked and You've got to live close to the Lord. Listen, the enemy, he knows how to deceive people. That's why it's one of the reasons it's important to come to church. Because you hear words like this. You hear words like this, you'd be like, oh, man, I better check myself before I wreck myself. Yeah, you, yeah, you better. It's redefining of marriage. Murder of the unborn. I mean, there's so much that's out there that's really horrible. 
The good news is that in order for there to be a great falling away, great apostasy, one of the things that will happen before the coming of the Lord, there has to be a great revival. A great revival. Now, I believe we're, I believe we're entering into that. The fullness of the Gentiles. Come on. I believe we're entering into that. God's pouring out His Spirit in the Muslim world. Did you know that? God's pouring out His Spirit in Alaska. God's pouring out His Spirit in Missouri. God's pouring out His Spirit of Florida. God is pouring out His Spirit in the Philippines. We had Pakistan online this week. We had Pakistan online. Watch this. They, that, we don't, that, I don't think they've been on before. They were on and they were streaming our church service into their home with a group of Pakistani people and one lady that could translate into their language from English. And they translated the service and God touched him, I'm sure. Pakistan. Come on, God's pouring out His Spirit everywhere. So in order for there to be apostasy, there has to be what I believe to be another great awakening. Lastly, considering these things, It's time to repent. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.